Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we have a new New York Giants head coach. His name is Joe Judge. Now, if I sat here two weeks ago and said the name Joe Judge, you have to be honest because I didn't know his name. Most of you, if not all of you, nobody would have known who Joe Judge was. You would have never heard of him. You might have seen his face next to Bill Belichick on TV, but he was the special teams coordinator and also the wide receiver coach this past year for the Patriots. You didn't know who he was. You never heard of him. He's 38 years old. He's never been a head coach in his life. But now he's the head coach of the New York Giants, the 19th head coach in franchise history. Now he had, we're sitting here on Friday. So Thursday, Joe Judge has his introductory press conference. And we learned a little about him. And you know what? He knows nobody knows who Joe Judge is. So that was one of his things. He said, I'm here to tell you who is Joe Judge. And by that, he said, I'm going to tell you what I'm all about. And I think we found out a little bit what he was all about. You hear about a guy who's old school mentality. That was a phrase that he used. Okay, He likes to punch you in the nose. Fundamentally sound. Situationally aware. I mean, these are things that I think, as a Giant fan, you have to like hearing. And the number one thing, the number one quote he said, that you, that you had to just sit there and really enjoy, and that really caught my eye, not my eye, my ear, was he said, when I'm sitting, and I'm, this is, I'm not actually quoting him, this is somewhat, this is my recollection of what it was, he said along the lines of, I don't want to hear in meeting rooms what guys can't do. I want to hear what they can do. And then as a, as coaches, it's our job to best utilize what they can do. And you know what? When you sit there and you listen to that, you know what the first thing that comes to my mind? Is that I'm listening to a knockoff of Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. And that's exactly who this guy is. He sat there and he said, "You, there's people who would have paid thousands of, to pay thousands of dollars a day to be in the rooms that I've been in. Because he worked for three years under Nick Saban and then for what, eight years under Bill Belichick. People would pay thousands of dollars. And I agree. People would pay thousands of dollars to hear those guys talk and learn from those guys. And he would be a fool. This is what he said, Joe Judge. He would have been a fool to sit there and not learn and not absorb and not go home every day as if it was a, a new, fresh lesson. Working under those two guys. And let's not for a second think that him being hired was in large part because he worked directly for Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. I asked John Mara about that. And he even said, when I saw, when did he first notice him? Right? When did he first notice Joe Judge? How did he end up on the Giants' radar? It was when Joe Judge went from being a football analyst slash, uh, what was his other title? Special teams assistant at Alabama, working under Nick Saban. And then he goes to work under Bill Belichick. Now, when those two guys, 
are passing along coaches or players. It raises eyes of people around the league. Their ears perk. And John Mara, his eyes opened. His ears perked. He saw Joe Judge going there. And he knows he said, I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing. Nick Saban's not giving Bill Belichick some slappy. This guy has to have something if he's going to work for those two guys. And then Bill Belichick, in his multiple conversations with John Mara over the weekend, tells the Giants they reached a point where this guy, Joe Judge, Bill Belichick would give him something and he would trust him and he didn't even have to look over him and watch over him anymore because that's how much he trusted Joe Judge. And this right now is why Joe Judge is the head coach of the New York Giants. He went into the interview, and the interview wasn't about Daniel Jones and what's your coaching staff. It was a lot of philosophical stuff. This is what Dave Gettleman said. It was mostly philosophical. And Joe Judge went in there and blew them away, the Giants, in regards to telling them how they operated, how in New England they went about and they did things, and they prepared for each game. And the general manager was aligned with the coaching staff. And these little things impressed the Giants so much that they were willing to offer Joe Judge a job without even giving bringing in Josh McDaniels for an interview. We'll get to Matt Rule in a second, that part of this whole thing. So Joe Judge did very well. It doesn't ultimately mean anything if you do really well at your press conference. I don't think that... It doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach. It doesn't mean he's going to be a bad coach. Whatever. Okay? But you do learn a little about the individual. And that's, as a Giant fan, you have to like what you heard about the individual that is now the head coach of the New York Giants. And Joe Judge isn't in a terrible spot. Because, let's be honest, Pat Shermer and James Betcher, they've already taken the bullets, right? They've went through these bad years when the talent level wasn't good, when they cleaned house, they got rid of everyone, they ate all this dead money, and the team was going to be bad, right? There was no way the Giants team was going to be really good this year. Their defense was talentless. It was a bad defense. We knew that going into the season, okay? The offense didn't evolve. The offensive line didn't play well. They weren't as good, and then you have a terrible team, okay? But this Giants team is set up, I'm not going to say to be good or great, but they're set up to be better. It's fairly easy. It should be fairly easy for Joe Judge to go in there and improve. Because the the bar right now is four wins. It's four wins. They had a rookie quarterback. He's inheriting a rookie a quarterback who's now going to be in his second year. So you would hope he will take some lessons. You would hope Daniel Jones is automatically better. This is These are things that don't even have anything to do with Joe Judge. They have the number four overall pick. Okay, should get a really good player there. Picking fourth in the draft, for God's sakes. They have, they should have, by the time all is said and done, 70 plus million dollars in free agency to spend. They're not going to spend all that, but they should add several significant free agents. The team, they're not losing any significant players. Let's be honest. They don't have any of their stud players, star players that are free agents. So they're going to be a better team next year, almost by default. 
So Judge Joe Judge is not. He'll have some time here. He'll have some time. And if something goes wrong, where's the blame going to go? Dave Gettleman. He's next in line. Not Joe Judge. So not a terrible situation for him. Now, the only thing I will say, the big winner out of all this is Dave Gettleman. And really the whole entire Giants upper management and their whole setup of the organization. Which, and I've spoken to a lot of people about this around the league, uh, within the Giants organization, uh, people who have been in positions of power in the past. Their setup is a problem. It might rear its ugly head moving forward. There's a lot of voices in that room, right? And I've talked about this before. Dave Gettleman's the GM. Joe Judge is the head coach. He's going to give his input on personnel as well. Chris Maris, the president of player evaluation, I think his title is. You know, there's a lot of people in that front office who have been there for a while now, who have been in their positions now for multiple regimes, okay? And now if Josh McDaniels came in, if Matt Rule came in, if Mike McCarthy came in, that might have changed. Some of those things might have changed. There might have been a push to streamline the organization, but it didn't happen. Joe Judge is 38 years old, never been a head coach. He's not coming in with personnel power or the ability to come in and shake up the entire front office, at least now. So the big winner is everybody that's been there. Because now the, the, the blame has already been passed along to other people. It's not on them. We're on there, what? Between Coughlin, McAdoo, Shermer, and now Judge, we're on our fourth coach. But guess what? If if things fall apart here under Joe Judge, you can't sit there and point your finger at the coach again. You can't. And I heard Mike Lombardi, who is a guy who's been in front offices in the past in this league, I heard him say recently that the Giants really need to do an internal audit kind of of their entire organization where they need somebody to come in, like a firm to come in, that has no connection to the organization, and really look at how they do business and how they've conducted business these last 10 years or so and figure out where it's gone wrong. Because let's be honest, a lot has gone wrong. We want to keep blaming it on the head coaches? Probably not the the reason, the full reason. I'll tell you what, it's not the full reason. 100% not the full reason. There's other problems in this organization. They still exist. Maybe Joe Judge can mask them. Maybe he can fix them. Maybe the Giants are willing to self-reflect and correct. We don't know. We'll have to see. Now, let's go to the final piece of the puzzle. Because the way this all panned out, Joe Judge interviews on Monday. Okay. He has Mississippi State pushing him for an answer. He They were going to give him their, their head catching job. Okay? So Michigan, Mississippi State wants an answer from Joe Judge. The Giants are sitting there. They're blown away by this interview on Monday night, which talked mostly about philosophical stuff. Didn't even talk about Daniel Jones that much, according to Dave Gettleman, which makes me scratch my head a little bit. A little curious about that. But 
So they're blown away by Joe Judge. This is the guy. This is our leader. This is the guy to oversee everything. But we still want to talk to Matt Rule. In the meantime, he's in Carolina getting offered everything you could possibly imagine. And I'm not just talking about money in years. Yes, that was a big part of it. But it also goes beyond that. He's being offered resources to build infrastructure, analytics, technology. He's given basically personnel power, significant personnel power. Are these things the Giants would have been able to offer Matt Rule? I doubt it. We'll never know. But knowing the way the Giants operate, I doubt they were going to be able to offer Matt Rule those kind of resources or the ability to build the way he wanted to or he's going to be able to now. So the Giants see Matt Rule making progress. There's this big deal. There's years. There's money. There's everything else he has at his disposal because David Tepper is a billionaire, one of the richest men in the world. And that's the thing. The Giants misjudged this in the fact that if they wanted to talk to Matt Rule, and they did, don't let anyone tell you otherwise, they thought very highly of him. They thought he had a solid, good quality chance, probably as good or better than everybody else, to get the job. And they didn't even get him in the room. And why is that? Because they waited. They waited. They didn't push hard enough to get that first interview. And look, I've speak, I've spoken to people who are close with Matt Rule, okay? And who are probably going to end up on his staff. But, and they thought, you know, he had them, he had them high in his list. But once you let him in a room with a billionaire, you never know what's going to happen. A guy like David Tepper can make things happen. And the Giants, they sat back. They wanted to do this thorough, deliberate interview process. And it doesn't always work that way. Because you get a guy in a room, sometimes he never gets out. And they could have got Matt Rule in that room. Maybe they would have fallen in love with Matt Rule. We'll never know. Instead, Joe Judge went first. They never got to Matt Rule. They already knew what Josh McDaniels was about, right? They already had that interview two years ago. So that you you put less. I get that part of it. That makes sense. Because you already know what you have there. Giants were never going to hire Matt Rule without bringing him in on an interview. I don't care if they called, you know, uh, Matt Rule's agent calls the Giants and says this is the deal, this is what's being offered. The Giants still needed to have him come in and interview. You can't hire a guy for your head coach and not interview him. That's not even a possibility. So they never got that opportunity because they rested on their laurels a little bit, that they're the Giants, he's worked there. They didn't obviously feel the need to press it enough where they made sure they got the first crack at this guy who was near the top of their list. But they were blown away by Joe Judge. As they realized Matt Rule was going to end up in Carolina, they made their move on Joe Judge. And here we sit. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Joe Judge is not going to be successful. It reminds me a lot, and I've written about this. You could go read it. I was in Philadelphia covering the Eagles years ago. Okay, so what? Was it 2008, I guess? Yeah, 2008. Because John Harbaugh is the off, the, the special teams coach, coordinator in Philadelphia under Andy Reid. The Baltimore Ravens 
can't make get a deal with Jason Garrett and they end up with John Harbaugh. Similar path he traveled to Joe Judge, right? And I even went to that introductory press conference when he was introduced to Baltimore. And you see a lot of similarities between the two. Smart guys. You talk to them, they're tireless workers. You see the philosophy they bring, right? Joe Judge, you can see the similarities in his thinking to Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. John Harbaugh, when he came in there, you saw the similarities. You heard the similarities to his approach to Andy Reid, successful head coaches. Now, ultimately, we'll see. Because they he what the the benefit that Joe Judge has, I mean that Joe Judge doesn't have that John Harbaugh had. John Harbaugh had a front office that was Ozzie Newsom and one of the best, most established front offices there is. Okay? And the Giants, we know what they have in the front office. They have a lot of voices, a lot of people who are involved, a lot of opinions, and It could be a lot for a young rookie head coach, basically. But we're going to see. But there's a lot to like with how he carries himself and what he's all about. And so we sit here with Joe Judge as the 19th head coach of the New York Giants on a five-year deal. And someone who they hope, and they said they're going to give him a longer leash than these past two coaches. In part because he's a rookie head coach. But you know what the key to that's going to be? To have success. And if he doesn't, what's going to be working his favor is, A, he's not going to be running the offense, so they can't blame him for an offense that's bad. B, he's not going to be running the defense. And C, he's not going to be the one making the ultimate final personnel decisions. And John Mara admitted that. I asked him specifically, what's his role in personnel? He's in charge of the 46-man active game day roster. He'll have input on the 53-man roster and the draft and personnel. But ultimately, that final say is going to be on Dave Gettleman. That's what he's working with. Good luck, Joe Judge. On to the next one. All right, let's bring in Mike Reese, the Patriots reporter, our Patriots reporter for ESPN. Uh, Nobody does it better than Mike Reese, by the way. If there's a beat reporter out there that does it better than Mike Reese, I just don't know who that person is. So welcome to the show, Mike, because you're a big big man these these days. Because Joe Judge, yeah, you know him well. He was up there with the whole. Well, you were there the whole time he was there, right? That's right. And uh, thanks for the compliments there, Jordan. Um, well deserved. I appreciate you saying it. Um, Joe Judge is a good coach, and and I really felt like what everyone heard from him on Thursday um, was reflective in what. I had sort of seen from him over his time here, and he was, I thought he really nailed it in his opening news conference. It sort of sets the tone, and, and now the work really begins in earnest for him. Yeah. Well, how did, so what, when you hear him talk, how much do you, because there were some times where when he's talking about, I want to hear what players can do, not what players can't do, that made me think, wow, that's like, I could, that's like a Bill Belichick thing, right? Like I could, that's, I could see Bill Belichick saying that verbatim. Like the, how much did you, when you listen to him speak, was it Bill Belichick? So 
I would say that specific part, absolutely. And that's sort of a, a, a foundational principle of the Patriots' philosophy is, you know, look, players are going to have strengths and weaknesses. We can talk about their weaknesses, but, but I don't want to hear that as an excuse. Let's, let's focus more on the strengths and let's put them in a position to succeed. Jordan, I think that's awesome, you know, that he can go into it with that whole philosophy and mindset. I do think executing that is incredibly hard. Right. And so, you know, that's where we are right now. I think real positive first step to articulate that message but living that message, I find, is, is really, really challenging at times. So let's go over the two sides of it here, right? Tell me why you know Joe Judge. You know what he's about. You've seen him work with the special teams for a long time there. And, you know, they, they mention this a lot. The special teams, what they like about it is that when you're a special teams coach, you speak to the entire room. It's not just the defense. It's not just the offense. So that kind of sets you up for success. So what do you, what do you look at Joe Judge now with the Giants and say – this is why he could be successful. Yeah. Well, I, I want to add one other thing, Jordan. It's not Go like ahead. when he's special teams coach, like, yes, he's talking to the whole room. Let me present one other thing. And Bill Belichick has sort of opened my eyes to this. Like, Belichick said being a special teams coach prepared him more than anything for being a head coach because of all you have to manage. I mean, you are managing punt return, kickoff return, punt coverage, kickoff coverage, field goal block, field goal protection. Okay, one guy gets injured. Like, think about all the jobs. Like, that might be four different spots that you have to fill on the fly. Like, I think that's, that's a good point. Never thought of that. Can't get overlooked here, Jordan. Like, so now you might have a core special teams player that's going to be part of all those units, but chances are, if he goes down, his replacement isn't going to be one guy that fills all those roles. So you got to be light on your feet to say, okay, I got this guy on punt return, this guy on kickoff return, this guy on, you know, punt block, this guy on, you know, all that stuff. So that's the first part. As for what I think can make Joe Judge successful is, number one, the command that you saw. Like I always say, the first thing before I get into scheme and X's and O's, like, can he get up in front of a room and will players listen to him? You know, and a lot goes into the answer to that question. Right, for I sure. Think what you saw was command, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I don't no, think anyone could have watched that and said, wow, you know, like there was no command there. Is that no, he catches, yeah, he catches your attention. When he speaks and he's speaking passionately, you're listening to what he says and it comes off in a very smart, articulate way. And you're like, okay, I, right. this, guy, this guy knows what he's talking about. I said, yeah, he All definitely right. could command that room. So that's the first part. And then the second part, why I think he can be successful, is I think he will surround himself with good coaches and coach the coaches and then let those coaches coach. That's a Belichick philosophy. So, you know, coming up from Belichick, coming up from Saban, he's learned from two of the best. So now the idea is let me get people around me to help permeate that message throughout the team. And I think he will find a way to do that. I think he has some, some good connections, you know, from his time. Uh, I think he's learned from some of the best, and I think that'll give him at least a chance, Jordan, and let's see where it goes from there. Yeah, that'll be a tough one, though. Assembling a staff is not an easy thing because there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of other guys that maybe he wants and that might want to come that can't end up coming. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and we'll learn a lot about you know, how, he op- how he's operating and his connections here probably in these next, what, 
week or two weeks or whatever it is? Exactly. And think back to where he's been, uh, influences Alabama, Mississippi State, right. New England. You know, some, you figure a lot of those are going to be, they're going to be some ties to those places. As we've heard already with Freddie Kitchens, who has that connection, and Brett Bielma as well, who has that yep. connection with New England. And Freddie Kitchens has that connection with him. And apparently they're really close. Uh, for, uh, they spent time together in uh, Mississippi State. So. Yep. Uh, and so, I think, I think Freddie Jordan, I would just say, I think if, it, I, I would expect that, you know, to happen just based on how close they are. And I just think that'll help him because Freddie just went through it a year, you know, and so right. that can yeah. be a sounding board on, you know, some of those things. And if Joe, to me, what I think would be smart, and I heard Matt Rule mention this in his introductory press conference down in Carolina, you know, to get like even more of a veteran guy. You know, to bounce things off of. Right. Um, you know, Belichick has his right hand man up here in Ernie Adams and Dante Scarnecchia, the offensive line coach, who's in his, you know, young 70s. That type of thing would help Joe as well. Yeah, well, every head coach needs that, but especially a 38 year old head coach who has never been a head coach. Yeah. At any level, really. So, yeah, yeah it's going to his his coordinators are going to be very important because he needs experienced guys. And regardless of what you think of Freddie Kitchens and the job he did in Cleveland, because there's a lot to critique there, yeah. the fact that he has experienced that and he could at least relay his experiences to Joe Judge, who's his friend, on a regular basis, is that that helps. That that sounding board helps, regardless of how uh, maybe he unsuccessful he was in that role. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if the, if there's any concern with Joe Judge, what is it that you think could possibly derail him as a head coach that makes you gives you a little pause and say, okay, well, we'll see if this works, but I'm not so sure. Well, so the thing the thing that would give me pause is is up here in New England, you know, Bill Belichick to me, like strip away everything else, like he has the uncanny ability to come up with the answer, whether it's on offense defense or special teams he could literally coach any position okay mm-hmm. so that that's like I, I don't know you know if joe has that because I, he hasn't really been challenged in that area you right. know like just just this last year they added wide receivers coach to his his uh duties you know so you know if things are going uh the wrong way let's say you know, defensively or even offensively, you know, is he going to be able to sit there, dissect that and, and say, okay, here's what's wrong and here's how we're going to fix it. Like, I I just don't know if we know the answer to that. I don't know the breadth of his knowledge, how much he's sort of delved into those areas. Um, I know one thing from having been around him and getting him, get to know him a little bit. It won't be for lack of effort. Like that guy, Jordan, he is, He's like a in the office all the time guy, and right. the level of detail. I just tell a quick story. I mean, they they last year they played in Chicago, so 2018 season, and you know I I like to chart the personnel, and so they get their punt block unit, and it's usually the same people. And the first two three punts of the game, they get their regular punt block personnel on the field. And then on the fourth or fifth punt of the game, you know, I notice, like, they're putting different personnel on their punt block on the field, and it's like a lot of big guys, like, and, and specifically Dante Hightower, 250-pound, you know, thumping 
right. you know, middle linebacker who usually isn't on the punt block team, and he's in there with a bunch of you know defensive linemen. And I said, what what are they doing? This isn't even like a fake situation for the other team. It's deep in their territory. And wouldn't you know, Dante Hightower just steamrolls. I believe it was the right guard blocks the punt. And it was a key play in the game. And I go into the locker room after the game. I said to Hightower, I go, I've never seen you on the punt block team. And his response to me was, that's all Joe Judge. That guy's crazy. He comes up with everything because he had studied it to the point, Jordan, that he knew that the right guard on the, you know, the Bears punt protection unit could be overpowered if the opportunity presented itself. And he sort of sprung it on him on the fourth or fifth punt of the game was a game turning play. And I think that's, a, those are the type of stories that if you're looking to, to say like what. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. Just a wow. You know, that that yeah. comes to mind. I mean, that was one of the things I went away there, went away from yesterday thinking is the attention to detail that this guy has is impressive. Like that's going to be an upgrade for the Giants moving forward because Pat Shermer seemed to be all over the place with the, you know, decisions and that stuff. His attention to detail, I could see Joe Judge. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong about this. Appears like it's going to be almost his number one priority. Like that, that is what he seems to harp on. Yeah. The little things, and I mean, I'm sure that's what Bill does as well over there. So, and and that's right. And and I remember when they. So I was really watching him closely this year because when they added the receiver title, you know, to his sort of responsibilities, uh-huh. I just thought it was fascinating because how many people in the NFL were a special teams coordinator yeah. and a position coach? No, well, one. that that really is why it makes me think immediately because I was in Philadelphia. With yeah. John Harbaugh, right? right? And John yeah. Harbaugh wanted to become a head coach, and he couldn't get over the hump, and he couldn't get that responsibility or get get that opportunity. So what he did was he became a position coach. Yes. Right? And that's how he made that jump. And he was working under the same thing. Andy Reid, obviously, a much yeah. lesser, not a comp, not a, but a very well-respected head coach, and he was impressive, very impressive. And, you know, the story is that Jason Garrett turned down the Baltimore Ravens. And so Jason Garrett turns down the Baltimore Ravens, and guess what? Wow. They end up hiring John Harbaugh John instead. Harbaugh. What a stroke of luck right there for the Baltimore Ravens, right? I don't think anybody is going to yeah. turn that around and say, oh, I wish we would have had Jason Garrett, right, right. <laughs> in retrospect. And so, a great yeah. story, and I think the challenge as I look at it critically, Jordan, is that when you become the head coach, you know, it's, it's, what, you know, it's not the same approach. Well, I shouldn't say that. It is the same approach, but there's – a lot more going on than when you're the special teams coordinator and wide receivers coach, and you can just yeah. literally bury yourself in what you're doing. Exactly. But now you're the head coach. You are the CEO overseeing the whole thing. And so your ability to be that detailed is challenged by all these other things around you. It's meetings with ownership. It's meetings with public relations on how we, you know, what, what questions are coming at the news conference. How do we want to articulate our message? Like, so now you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions, which brings you and me back to one of the things we initially started talking about was the importance of the staff around him because those guys are going to be critical in sort of filtering his message down to the rest of Right, and you never know how guys operate when they're under that kind of pressure and they're being pulled in so many different directions. Does it does it make him slip and not be able to uh, you know account for those attention to detail that he did before? Like that that's that's part of the challenge right there. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, what did you hear about him as a wide receiver coach this year? Cuz the Patriots wide receivers were a group that 
we know struggled a little bit and were a little up and down. It was a, it was a tough year for that group for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, they, yeah. they tried to bring in Antonio Brown and then that didn't work out. And so they traded for a guy in the middle. So he dealt with a lot in that regards in that position. Yes. So what did I hear about Joe Judge as a receivers coach from players? Philip Dorsett, five-year veteran, when I asked him, said he was really, 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 really detail-oriented. And Dorsett felt like that focus on the details was so important because they had two rookies, their first-round pick, Nikhil Harry, and an undrafted free agent in Jacoby Myers who needed that level of detail. I will say this. Joe's coaching style, where he really gets on players, you know, that can be tough on guys. And there were there are times when, you know, that's not always what the players wanted to hear. Right. But I do think, Jordan, at the end of the day, when they step back from it, they realize it was all in the spirit of trying to help them be the best they can be. And so they accepted that coaching. And I wouldn't look at, I think it's, to me, it's misguided to look at, like, the performance of the receivers as a reflection on Joe Judge's coaching ability like their production was what it was more because of factors outside of joe judge than any of his specific coaching of them right i mean look that wasn't the most talented group the patriots ever put on the field that wide receiver for sure i mean there's no doubt about that so you bring up a good point and this is really what it's all about like some guys aren't gonna aren't gonna love joe judge he's gonna get in their face and some guys you know they don't not everybody handles that well, right? I mean, that, that, that's, we, we know, we've been around enough locker rooms. That's just the way some, some of the, everyone has to be handled differently, right? Yeah. So, and we, you've seen this before, like, you know, Matt Patricia goes to Detroit. You try to bring that old school, uh, hard nosed mentality to like sort of what's a new age locker room these days. It doesn't always work. Right. Right. And it's very difficult for it to work. So what makes you think, and that was the one of the things I thought yesterday, like, this can go, it can go either way, right? You either go in there because it's a lot easier for Bill Belichick and Nick Saban to say, to do these kind of things and, and everyone, no one's going to doubt them because look at their resume, right? Correct. They say, okay, we could do that because we're Nick Saban, that we'll do whatever he says. We believe him because that's Nick Saban. It's a lot harder for the Joe Judges, the Matt Patricias, the Josh McDaniels if they try that same approach. So how does he walk that line and what makes you think that it might work? To me, it's all about the locker room and the leadership in the locker room, getting guys in there that are aligned with him, that know him and that know what he's coaching and the way he's preaching is for the best of the team and the players. So for example, Jordan, I'll give you a hypothetical. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm him, I'm going after guys in the, that are some of the most upstanding, like, character guys in the league, like Devin McCourty, a Patriot safety, longtime captain, who is a free agent this year. To me, like, you gotta, you gotta get yourself, like, two or three guys like that, that are influencers in the locker room, that can make sure that there is not that disconnect that you're talking about, you know, and look, it's so bringing happen. your guys in, you know, bringing your guys in, like, you know, we've seen Bill Belichick do that everywhere he's gone, but Bill but Parcells, yeah. you know, those, that kind of thing. But it's not just your guys. Like it has to be like your guys that other guys in the locker room are going to look at and say, wow, this is not just a very good player and leader, but like a good person. 
right. you know, who they want to follow. I'm talking about Devin McCourty's, Matthew Slater's, those type of guys that I've seen in New England. And I like, I think, I think the Giants have guys like that. I mean, you know, but I, for Joe, it's going to be getting guys that, that he knows are committed to him and loyal to him and can help him in that all-important locker room. Yeah, well, also big in that will be, and I think this will be pretty easy because they're two guys that are totally bought in and and they, they have that mentality. He should go to Saquon Barkley. He should go to Daniel Jones and get those guys on board and aligned with what he's doing. And I don't think that's a hard thing to do because I think they do. Those guys could take, you know, criticism those guys can be the tom brady that you can you can yell and hold them accountable and be tough on them and handle that and i think they would be on board so i think he does have two guys in you know two huge roles in that locker room that he can get on his side rather quickly to sort of you know bring that message to the locker room and then add a couple of those guys you brought you you mentioned those kind of guys and then all of a sudden it'll be a lot easier for him to maybe to accomplish like we said be that hard-nosed coach Without losing guys in the locker room, because there are a lot of young guy influ- young guys who could be influenced in that Giants locker room for sure. Yes, and Jordan, and just honestly, this goes for all of us in life. I mean, and it sounds so cliche, but like, just be honest and be upfront, right? Like, because to me, the fastest way to lose a locker room is to not, 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 not be that. Yeah. You know, and that would be the other part of it. You know, and. He mentioned that. He said, you know, guys can tell, guys, if you're lying about who you are, guys can see right, guys will be able to see right, right. through it. That's right. And he's true. It's a very true thing. I totally agree with that. I, I actually, I'm, I'm not good at many things, but one thing I feel like I'm good at is I could tell right away the yeah. character of whether somebody's full of it or not. And, yeah, I, and, and I think most guys can. And I would just add like this, like he's, I mentioned Saban and Belichick as influences. He also talked to me in the past, and I know, I think he might have referenced it briefly in his remarks, back at Mississippi State with Jackie Sherrill and Sylvester Sylvester Kuhn, if I had it right. Those those two guys, and I think specifically the latter really taught him about empathy and players and and how important it is to connect with them because that was him on the other side of it you know and right. so I, I think that's really important in an important point to bring up as well one last one here because uh, it is a name that I have heard what what do we know about Brett Bielma what, what if he let's say that does happen in some regard what, what kind of coach is Brett Bielma so Brett Bielma you know is um a guy who coached the defensive line here the last two years, really more their big defensive tackles, and I would say, you know, terrific in terms of technique and knowledge of the game and communicating that to players. Um, you know, I always looked at it and said after his head coaching stints in college at Wisconsin and Arkansas that he was sort of, you know, probably looking at trying to get back to the college side of the game, but if the pro opportunity as a coordinator presents itself, I think that would be interesting. The question I would have, Jordan, if that's what we're looking at here, is mm-hmm. you know, he's been more of a front seven type of guy in New England. I don't know his background as much in the passing game and with coverages and right. stuff like that. And and like we talked about with Joe Judge, where you know he's been more of a special teams offensive coach. You know, I think that 
you know, who, if you're looking at him in, in a leading role in the defensive staff, who you're going to put on that staff with background in the passing game and coverages right. will be critical. Well, we've seen teams do that in the past. I mean, I don't know if this is the way they would want to go, especially with, like you said, a, a young head coach who has doesn't have experience on the side. The teams have split that up before, right? They have, like, the front yeah. seven kind of guy, then the, the one guy, and then the passing game coordinator or run game, right. defensive run, uh, what's his name, and... Um, Chris Richard for the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. That's right. You know, he was the, uh, defensive pass game coordinator and defensive backs coach. Like, so, so right. there are teams that do align their coaching staff like that. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but it very is. insightful, Mike. And, appreciate uh, it. we yeah. appreciate your time. No, thank you very much. And we'll, we'll do it again me. soon. All Look right. Forward to it. Take thank care, you. Mike. On to the next one. All right. Let's finish this episode with little Jordan on the beat. Uh, first, you know, I'm going to give you a little insight onto how everything went down on Tuesday morning, right? So that Joe Judge interview goes really well on Monday. Nobody knows that about it. that. That's a complete secret in why the whole Joe, Joe Judge, you know, hiring comes out of the blue. But the whole Matt Rule thing, and as I said before, you know, I heard I, I'm keeping in touch with people, and this is part of how you work with who are probably going to end up on Matt Rule's staff. So all of a sudden, we're sitting there on Tuesday morning, and Matt Rule has an interview scheduled with the Giants. And he'd gone dark on all these people, Matt Rule, right? He's obviously busy negotiating and, you know, things changed. And even though he did have the Giants at the top of his list entering the search, he hears everything he wants from David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers. He's obviously started to make a move on that. So I get some calls from people. Yo, have you heard anything? Is he even in the building? Matt Is Matt in the Giants building? So I start calling around, asking people, hey, has he been in the building? Anyone seen him? No, 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 no. And all of a sudden, you start to realize, oh, wow. And I did send out a tweet. Even after I heard that saying that he was, and that's why I used the word expected to interview. So I still thought he was at that point was going to come into the interview. Little, I probably should have thought about it a little more and realized that he's not there. He's gone dark. You know what? Something's brewing with the Panthers, which I did think of, but I still sent the te- the tweet. I probably shouldn't have done that. That he was expected to interview it was going to be a big day for the Giants. But you know what? Half hour, hour later, Matt Rule's hired by the Panthers. Another hour or two later, guess what? Joe Judge is hired by the Giants. So everything went down that quick. That's sort of how it all played out, at least from a reporting perspective. So that, that's why that's my Jordan on the beat for this episode, where I tell you what it's like to be a reporter for ESPN and covering the Giants and an NFL in general. And these things, you never know what's going to happen. When I woke up Tuesday morning, I had no clue this was going to happen. I'm sitting there taking care of my little one, my little four-month-old four Brody. You know, I'm feeding him, taking care of him. And all of a sudden, my phone's blowing up left and right. And there's been hires. This coach is hired. Matt Rule is hired. And then Joe Judge is hired. And all this crazy stuff is going down. And that's what can happen. You know, that that's this business. It's crazy. It's you, you only get snippets of what's going on, right? Especially in real time. Most of the time, you get the real story after the fact. 
it takes a little while. You're like a week late on these things. That's the way sort of the information travels. It, it doesn't always travel at the, the speed of, of uh, real life. So Joe Judge ends up getting hired. Matt Rule never comes in for an interview. And that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, remember, I'll do a Giants After Dark next episode. So always reach out, email, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know how to reach me. Uh, like this podcast. Subscribe. Hopefully the kink in the uh, Apple podcast has worked itself out. We're trying to look into it. We have looked into it. I promise. Don't yell at me. I'm doing my best. We're doing our best. But, hey, make sure you tell your friends because it's 2020. And if they're a Giant fan, they should be listening to this podcast, right? So help us out. Help us grow it. And we're going to try to keep this as a weekly podcast even throughout this offseason. So make sure you stay tuned, right? We'll hopefully be back next week. I'm Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. See you next time.